Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes. Today, we're recapping Dark, Episode 7 from Season 2. This is the White Devil, and I'm here with... I'm not going to call her the White Devil. <laughs> I'm going to call her my co-host, Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. Thank you for not calling me the White Devil. I was wondering where you were going, gonna get where you're going to go with that. It was the tip of my tongue to do so, and that would be very <laughs> rude to do so right now. The devil has been in your part of the woods. He took your power away. That's why we uh, we delayed last week. Um, well, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to lay it on your feet. I'm laying at Mother's Nature's feet. Are you doing Mother okay, Lindsay? Or you could say it's storming and winding. I mean, I would, you know, you when you put the you put the post on Instagram, I was like, why didn't you put a big like apocalypse blowing up? You know, it's like <laughs> that's there's lots of stormy weather and winding all the time. So I feel right at home talking about dark today with all these power outages we're experiencing in North Carolina. Yeah, well, winding I've never seen. Well, their power flickers when somebody steps through the tunnel. But the storms themselves don't seem to cause power outages. Whereas a storm that tore through your area, that's why I posted that picture because it looked a little more like your neck of the woods and like, you know, with power lines being down and trees being down. We don't see that kind of stuff in Wyndham. So, you know. It did look a, li- it did look a little um, too familiar for comfort, <laughs> you know, looking at that picture. But yes, it's amazing what five minutes an 80 mile an hour storm coming in for five minutes the damage it can cause across a whole uh, a whole county yeah dang you said even like the walmart was out of power too right like the the main hub of activity How, who can close a walmart down i mean it's <laughs> that seemed to be like unheard of but yes the walmart was closed down they did open today with the generator but it's 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 pretty pretty dire. I think things are seem to be coming back up slowly but surely. But this is we've survived snowpocalypse. We've survived <laughs> ice storms. But apparently five minutes with high winds and the city is the city is shut down. Yeah, those winds get unpredictable, and that's exactly you know why this happens. And yeah, just for the listeners, like you're still currently out of power and you're expecting it back now, but you're, you're not at your regular location. You're, you're in the bunker right now, like <laughs> doing the best you can. I'm at Claudia's office. I'm at the <laughs> uh, power plant office, a glassed room. It's very fancy. I don't have the secretary coming in to reschedule my appointments, but. You would just ignore her anyway if she did. I mean, no biggie. Yeah, cancel everything. <laughs> this episode was a wild one. Um, I, I was it, you know, it's a step down from the last episode because, of course, the last episode is a lot to live up to. But um, I don't know. I think this one is really setting us up nicely, and it really has some weird turn of characters that I was not expecting. I didn't remember these turn of characters mm-hmm. after <clears throat> last week's episode. We talked about how that was many people's favorite episode because they're getting to see the times before everything went bad. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there's a couple of very devilish twists in this one with, with the white devil devilish twists. And it's, (laughs) 
they're like you said, it's ramping us up to the season finale and also letting us know for sure we are no longer in those happy times. We are in the thick of the of the loop of the knot. Yeah, nobody's really too psyched right now. Nobody's like having a great time. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> there's no parties. There's no Belinda Carlisle. Nope. There's no Rick Rolls. <laughs> yeah, and like compared to like last week, how how many smiles and how many good times were going down? It was mm-hmm. you know it was it was stark compared to that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm eager to get to it. I know, of course, after our recap, we're gonna we have some listener feedback again. Um, I hope we have time for a quiz because last week you gave me a quiz and I wanted to return the favor this week. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm ready to go whenever you are. All right. I am ready. This episode begins with one of our favorite things, a voiceover. <laughs> um, people are peculiar creatures. All their actions are driven by desire. Their characters forged by pain. As much as they might try to suppress the pain to repress desire, they cannot liberate themselves from eternal servitude to their feelings. As long as the storm rages within them, they can find no peace, Mm -hmm. not in life, not in death. And so day after day, they will do all that must be done. Mm. Pain is their ship, desire their compass, all that humankind is capable of. Now, Steve, as I'm reading this, actually, I'm mm-hmm. wondering, I'm, I'm like thinking about how this is sort of how Christopher Nolan put Tenet, uh, put Oppenheimer in Tenet. It's almost like here the Varen, Bo Odar, and Yanta Fries are putting 1899 into dark in a way because that this speech sounds like it could come... Uh, to be talking about 1899 too about like oh the pain yeah. is their ship desire their compass and storm raging right that they're in servitude to their feelings and that and on that show the people were mm. sort of they were locked into these relate these emotions and with these relationships yeah, yeah. and all of that sort of following the loop uh, following a loop again um but <laughs> Yes, as this this is one of their famous speeches, and during this narration, in the world of dark, we see a montage of characters thinking about the last time they saw their objects of desire. Right, this right. is what this speech is about. We have in the sick Mundus room, Adam is looking at an image of Marta in the white dress, like she wore at the anniversary party. Stranger Jonas is sleeping while Hannah watches next to his bed holding the suitcase with the time machine and her thoughts are lingering to Ulrich and he's wearing the last thing that he wore when she saw him, which was when he came mm-hmm. into her house and tried to wring her neck. Um, <laughs> right. So they, they, they're thinking about the last time they saw these people. Um, and then Marta is looking at the St. Christopher pendant and she's imagining Jonas in the yellow raincoat with blood on his lip. And that's because the last time she saw him, he was getting punched by Bartosh in the rain. Okay. Yes. I was a little confused by that. And yeah. I'm <laughs> glad you cleared that up because that makes a lot of sense. And then Katerina is imagining Mikkel wearing the skeleton costume, mm-hmm. which is the last time she saw him. Now, 
The only one that's a little bit confusing here um, that doesn't fit the pattern is Adam because right. he's looking at Martin in the white dress, but we know that stranger Jonas has seen Marta since that white dress. So that's not the last time he saw her. Mm -hmm. But I guess for him, that's the penultimate moment yep. of his desire for her and his longing for her. That's what I was going to say. He was like imagining her like in their, uh, their pseudo wedding dress. You know what I mean? Like that's mm -hmm. the night that they consummated their love together. And that's like the last like real happy time that Jonas remembers having. So right, I think it does kind of it, it indirectly ties in. I, I was uh, wondering if I was on the right episode when I started watching this because I was like, wait, why is, you know, like when they yeah. got to Ulrich and Hannah, I was very confused. But then when I saw Katarina and Mikkel, I was like, OK, this. OK, I think I see what they're doing here. The one thing I guess. I have to say, in addition to what I've already said, is that this time the whole thing with Hannah leaving hit me differently than it has before. Um, hmm. From the perspective, it's, it's so easy to watch this show and to sort of go like, oh, she's doing this. And you're like, oh, Hannah's taking the suitcase to the, to the past to to visit Ulrich like we kind of know that's what she's doing but I was thinking about her and Jonas and their relationship mm -hmm. and how they kind of have this pattern of leaving each other um when Jonas was a teenager we know he was busy in the tunnels trying to find his way through and mm -hmm. Hannah was sort of reaching out to him and saying like um, you know, maybe the two of us can hang out and do something special mm -hmm. and all that. And she was, and she was feeling rejected by Ulrich and all that. Right. And then stranger Jonas comes back and he rescues, he rescues his mom because she was going to kill herself. Right. That's right. And so he came to, to help her and to, to be with her and here, now, I know they sort of had a fight where he was like, you need no one. Um, did you even like dad at all? Did you even care about him? So he, he was kind of mad, but it kind of hit me that she took his way of transportation. Like, not only did she leave, but she took his stuff. You know, she took, she took his time machine. And so he's now stuck there. Um, hmm. that's got to kind of hurt. Yeah, I, I was aware of that. But like when you, uh, when you lay it down like that <laughs> on top of the other strange way she's acting this, this episode. Yeah. She's, that is some, uh, some pretty low down dirty stuff. It's like, it's like she, like she heard what Jonas said and she's trying to double down on it or something. I don't. You know, she yeah. heard that Jonas say that, you know, she shouldn't have anybody or she's just destined to be alone. And yeah, yeah. it seems like she's doubling down on that. Or, you know, she's just like, it's just a little bit, just, she's just so cold and heartless, you know? 
<laughs> um, it's a pretty big deal to take someone's time machine, you know, because that's <laughs> that's the way he's been wandering around. And of course, fate will step in. Fate will fate will step in and all that. But I, I think that uh, it didn't just it just hadn't hit me before that like my mom my mom stole from me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, is it, it's as if, like, your mom lived, like, in the middle of nowhere, and you went mm-hmm. to visit her, and then she stole your car and left you right. there. <laughs> and there was no way you could get anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah. You, yeah. Because he took her, you know, he took her in, like, he was the one that said, hey, I think you need to see this. So, he, like, yes. he gave her that, that's a gift that he gave her to, like, hey, I'm going to trust you. And so, he invited her into the fold. Right. And this is how she re- is going to repay him. <laughs> <laughs> Not great, Hannah. Not great. <laughs> well, Hannah does a lot of interesting stuff this episode, so <laughs> we're just getting started. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so moving forward then, mm-hmm. we have June 26, 1954, one day until the apocalypse. At the police station, Egon and Daniel Conwald are listening to an autopsy report from yet another reliable Winden forensic specialist. (laughs) (laughs) They always do such a good job, all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I feel kind of sorry for them, though, because all they do is like they're just like living their lives there, like watching all this stuff happen. But they're not actually involved in it. So they're just like they're not getting part of the fun. They don't get to time travel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, he seemed to have a lot of fun, though, you know, doing what he he's doing, you know, sure, <laughs> measuring yeah. people's radiation in people's body. I think if I was a forensic specialist, it would be a pretty interesting career. So I bet I bet they're loving it down in the lab. I mean, they love it. So <laughs> shout out to Nate. You remember Nate told us he was doing stuff like this. So. That's true. That's true. Nate. <laughs> shout out to the boy. I'll let you continue there. Uh, So the woman was 5'7 and probably 75 to 80 years old. The cause of death was a shot to the chest. They have her clothing and her possessions. She has these black shoes and military style garb, plus this dial with numbers around the side. Mm -hmm. The eyes are notable because she has heterochromia. Egon looks on this detail with interest because of his daughter sure yeah i think the thing around her neck before you go on Mm -hmm. i i thought it was a compass at first viewing but then like looking on i i guess it's some kind of like mathematical dial that like um helps you solve formulas quickly you know what i mean yeah i mean it's it must be something claudia used to for circumference perhaps yeah, I mean, I was I was hoping you could enlighten me. <laughs> I've never seen such things, but I've seen similar things that like will measure like um, the diameters of, um, you know, holes or tears or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure what that thing was either. And mm-hmm. we'll move on because <laughs> yeah. it was fun looking. Yeah, I mean, usually when they do these autopsies they kind of say what they found. So I was kind of hoping they would bring it up and yeah, they, they mentioned so many other little details, but <laughs> you know, and when, when the last one, they were like, 
they're dressed funny and they had a brony tattoo. Well, they didn't say brony tattoo, but they were. It was. Yeah. So it was like, I was hoping that it would be brought up or maybe it'd be on the Reddit. <laughs> what was on somebody would have a discussion but nope couldn't find anything listeners speak up this is what we need to know <laughs> yes exactly so egon reports that the woman came to see him at the police station on the day helge reappeared he remembers she was confused and not altogether there and that she apologized to him daniel theorizes that the woman is Ulrich's accomplice. He suggests that Egon talk to Helge and see if Helge recognizes the woman. Egon seems hesitant to follow this order. Yeah, that's weird. I couldn't figure that out why he would be hesitant besides just the fact he has to go back and deal with um, Helge's <laughs> mom again, perhaps. Maybe that's the hesitation, but it seemed like it was significant. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Greta Doppler, I mean, nobody wants, she's not the most fun person to talk to, but I I think he's just feeling weird in general about Ulrich. Because, um, hmm. and the woman. He feels sure, weird about sure. this woman because she's she said something that his daughter then said to him. Okay, They've got yeah. the eyes. So I think for him, it kind of freaks... Claudia's case kind of freaks him out in general. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think I think maybe he was remembering the last time he went to talk to Helge. It didn't go so well, you know? <laughs> so... This this Daniel guy, like, loves this, uh, this accomplice theory. Um, I mean, this is the only time it kind of made sense. The last time when he brought up the accomplice, it made no sense. This time it kind of ties in because like the timing of her coming to visit him and then the reappearance of Helge happening on the same day. It's a pretty big coincidence. So I can kind of see where he's coming from, but he's just really quick to jump on that. Yeah, but we've already established that they're like desperate to find some kind of tie in to seem like they've already that it was right yeah. for them to lock up Ulrich. Um but he's True. like, hey, he's got white hair. She's got white hair. Well, he didn't have <laughs> white hair yet, did he? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> that doesn't work. So then the forensic specialist mentions that Claudia's body is highly contaminated with radiation. He demonstrates with a Geiger counter. She was exposed to radiation for a long time to get these tops, types of readings. Danielle thinks maybe the woman was a radiographer and helped with x-rays as a career. I had to look up what a radiographer was because I was like, <laughs> at first I was thinking, oh, it's somebody that um, works on radios. <laughs> I don't know, like sending messages or like decoding messages. But yes, it's you help with x-rays at the doctor's office. Right, right. Like radiology, or, yeah. Or you time travel. I mean, you get it many ways. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like he said, radiographer? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> a female? A female with a, a occupation? <laughs> what madness is this? <laughs> yeah, or maybe he, they were thinking, she doesn't look like a, a nurse. She looks like a crazy woman with this long... 
unruly hair. I guess um, they do kind of make that stick out as a point, which it shouldn't be. I mean, ladies have long hair. It's just the way it is. But yeah, you're right. They do. They do. They do make her look um, kind of crazy with the way they uh, string it out. Yeah. So then in 1987, Claudia is reporting some findings in a tape recorder. Aha. I know these recordings. <laughs> well, what, I'm not sure that this is the same. Oh. She recorded these messages about things. She took notes through dictation. Um, so maybe, you know, it's just kind of like, I just felt like it was a clever character moment. Like, oh, here she's doing this about these reports mm-hmm. that burned had given her she's like taking notes to herself and then we know that she takes notes one day about she closely follows um the whole like the thing about the god particle and what it will take to get through it um she mentions that the particle regularly decays into two protons at a mass of 125 gigalectron volts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in one case, it decayed into four muons. Four muons? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, I have no idea what any of that stuff means, but I wrote it down in case. I, I wrote down some basics too. Um, oh, I'm going to throw. I'm, I'm going to throw mine out. Um, okay, just for the heck of it. Um, I looked up on energy.gov was my source, <laughs> by the way. Okay. Um, so a muon is a particle similar to an electron but with much more mass. The most important thing about muons that I could find that ties in with dark is that muon can help detect dangerous nuclear materials and see into damaged nuclear power plants. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, they're tied in with nuclear power plants of some sort. So that's kind of how it ties in. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing this relates to the God particle somehow that the findings would indicate that, but yeah. Well, yeah, the muons help detect the God particle is what it Mm -hmm. is because they're looking for, they look for extremely radioactive stuff, which is the God particle. So we like those muons and there's four of them working together. Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All you scientists out there. There it is. Let us know if you if you know any other facts about why Claudia found this so interesting. <laughs> All right. So Claudia's assistant enters the office surprised to see Charlotte at work. Claudia, Claudia at work already. I did not mean huh. to say Charlotte. Yeah. Claudia admits that she lost track of time. She asks what day it is, and the assistant reports June 26th. She looks at the newspaper clipping that reports Egon's body was found on this day. So she's ready to make a quick exit. She has no time for the meeting with the French. (laughs) And I was noticing that Claudia has this more natural look today. She's usually so put together with her latest fashions and pristine makeup. And today she's just got this more natural, Mm -hmm. um, you know, hairstyle and not very much makeup. And she's dressed very simply so it just shows she has her mind on other matters today 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I noticed the same thing, too, that she was dressed down, and I figured the same thing you just said, that she's busy, too busy to put on her lipstick and stuff today. <laughs> she has a kicker assistant out, you know, didn't kick her assistant out. She ignores her, doesn't even speak to her this time, just runs out of the room. Um, yeah. And we we know just from the um, the research that Claudia did in the library in 2019 that um, she's going to disappear as well. Like this might be the last time anybody sees her. It could be. Mm -hmm. I'm like waiting for that to happen because that, oh, maybe it happens at the end of this episode. Who knows? Oh, <laughs> everybody's already Everybody's already seen this. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's something else that I wrote in my notes too, that like, you know, this was the, also the day before she disappeared. Yeah. If everything happens how it's supposed to happen and that's, I guess, <laughs> theoretically, that's what that's what uh, Claudia wants here, too, because that's what her older self told her needs to happen in order for Regina to be saved. Right. Yeah. Oh, and when she disappears, it's not going to be with a great reputation. <laughs> like we talk about her like she's a power broker and she's like, you know, great. She's really not great. <laughs> These la This last couple of weeks, she's not been doing great and yeah. shoving off her meetings and now she's going to disappear. What kind of reputation are you going to leave behind, Claudia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, who knows what they'll say about me when I'm gone. <laughs> who lives, who dies, who tells your story? <laughs> <clears throat> so then in 2020, Jonas wakes up to find Hannah as well as his time machine gone. His mother has mm -hmm. abandoned him and stolen his things, leaving him stranded. And we see the ghost of teenage Jonas here, left alone to fend for himself. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hannah prepares to enter the cave, suitcase in hand. And she's wearing this blue skirt, transitioning from passion to duty. No more red, Steve. We've only got blue on. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't really notice the, the color. I'm glad you pointed that out. I noticed it was old-fashioned looking, what she was wearing. I think she was just trying to match with the time period that she was ho hoping to go to. Right. But yeah, I, I, um, I, I guess I was colorblind that scene. Cause <laughs> even after watching it like three or four times, I still don't remember. <laughs> I just remember it was old fashioned looking what she was wearing. Yeah. She's, she's got her hair up in like an updo and it, she's got an A line skirt. She's all ready for, for the fifties. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, in Germany. Um, so at the Nielsen house, Katerina lifts her shirt sleeve to see her tattoo, K plus U. Hmm. A reminder of the vows she and Ulrich made to one another. And she looks at the cave map and the secret door indicated. Hmm. So I guess this is, this is Katerina kind of waking up for her stupor and being like, time to go to work. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, she was pretty focused. She has been pretty focused. Um, but yeah, then, then she kind of came down a little bit last couple episodes, but she's back and determined again. But she's determined now that, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to find him. You know, I'm not just going to sit around anymore. This is a tattoo reveal though. We didn't know she had this tattoo, right? We've never seen it before. All right. Cool. 
So at the Doppler house, Charlotte shows the Polaroid photo of Noah holding her as a baby to Peter. She shares that it has all all has to do with her. That Noah said the world would end tomorrow and that only the people in the bunker will survive. And Noah also told her that her mother is alive. Charlotte looks still very vulnerable and Peter doesn't really know how to comfort her. Right, right. I guess we could say that mm-hmm. they're the two of them seem to be working together better now. They're talking still. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, you point out that he doesn't really know how to comfort her, which I think is normal in their situation because, yeah, they're starting to get closer. And he's like, oh, how close do I get? <laughs> do mm-hmm. I wrap my arms around her? Do yeah. I pat her shoulder? Yeah. She yeah, usually th- doesn't like that kind of, maybe she doesn't usually like that kind of affection. And sure. he might be like, hey, I don't want to screw this up. So I'll just stare at my <laughs> wife <laughs> and not Play say anything. <laughs> All right. So at the police station, Clausen looks at a photo of his own, a younger version of himself with an unfortunate mustache sitting next to a young man, presumably his brother. Justina Jankowski, now that we know she dies, Steve, I feel like we need to we need to say her name. Justina Jankowski enters to give Klassen <laughs> the information he's requested from the Marburg Passport Office that there's only one Alexander Kohler in Marburg. And Klausen gets really happy about this and, <laughs> and says... And then the eyes saw, the, er, the ears heard, and nothing remained concealed. We know he's happy when he says a random, <laughs> wise-sounding quote. <laughs> and Justina recognizes this as a Freud quote. Mm-hmm. And then Clausen dismisses her. And I feel like Justina has become the new Waller. <laughs> I thought Waller was the new Waller. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she's she's joining ranks. He's dissing her like openly. He sucks. Yeah, I mean, he should be like, ah, one of my acolytes, you know, yeah. knows Freud. But this doesn't, he's just kind of like Charlotte was with Wolver. She's like, thank you. You can leave now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he should be recognizing his own. This is somebody like on his level that like recognizes his quotes. I mean, it's a con- <laughs> potential comrade here and he's just Mm -hmm. so pleased with himself and just dismisses anybody else around i don't know he's he's i I still can't believe i almost liked him the first episode he showed up it's (laughs) such a regret that i have of almost liking clausen yeah it was enough for me to almost stop podcasting with you but i decided (laughs) to give you a pass (laughs) i figured you'd get wise soon enough you know one thing i will say about clausen though is uh, I don't like that you said his mustache was unfortunate because I thought he looked cool. I thought he looked totally oh, cool. I he and his really... brother looked like like, like a Euro band or something. It looked super cool to me. <laughs> I think there's only one person in the world that has ever looked good with a mustache. Okay. And that's Henry Cavill. <laughs> Oh, um, I don't think I've ever seen him with a mustache. He's Superman and like uh, the Witcher, right? In the Mission Impossible Fallout, he had a mustache. And I guess it was pretty hot. 
<laughs> it looked pretty good. <laughs> right, um, but most people like, like, but most guys, I prefer prefer beard beard over just a mustache. So, anyway, I thought it looked, I thought it looked awful. And okay, if it was, okay. if we were having a fashion show, a fashion <laughs> vote, Klassen would definitely get the worst of for this. Mm. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I would, I would give him a high five because I, I like, I like that he look. The mustache, okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I kept thinking about the brother. I was for a sure, while sure. pouring over this picture going, does the brother look like anybody? Right. Um, is he possibly in the sick Mundus photo? You know, who knows? But I think I was he thinking just... all that too. I didn't recognize him at all. Yeah. Like I was trying to trick myself into thinking I recognized the actor in the picture. Exactly. I don't, even think, I don't think I even recognize the actor. So yeah, I mean, he has a face that makes you feel like you've seen him before. Yep, that's right. Maybe he comes back later. I don't know because it's new to me. Yeah. <laughs> this whole Clausen storyline and this Hannah storyline, like I don't remember any of this. So it's all kind of new to me. So I'm really enjoying yeah. it. There is one person I think he kind of looks like, but we haven't met that person yet. So I can't really talk about it. We'll look forward to that in the future. <laughs> if I remember, if I remember, oh, this is the person that looked like Lawson's brother. Yeah. We both have good memories. I'm sure we'll remember this. Okay. <laughs> so elsewhere in town, the teen team talk about if they should <laughs> tell the adults what they have discovered. Mm -hmm. And Magnus votes yes, as well as Franziska. This is this is kind of funny because like usually teens do not want to bring in adults, you know, especially mm -hmm. the Scooby gang. Um, every young adult, like I, I'm a young adult librarian, and I feel like every young adult book, when there are adults involved, the kids never tell them what's going on. So it's kind of a funny, like, should we tell our parents? And Magnus and Francisca both say yes. Bartosh isn't sure that's the best idea. March hmm. is just gazing at the Saint Christopher pendant. With her mind, her thoughts on Jonas, who might be nearer than she thinks. Bartosh snaps at Marta that this is her only thought. And Marta gives it to him right back. She lashes out furiously and cruelly. She's pissed that Bartosh kept the information from them. And furthermore, she tells him that he's not welcome in the group anymore. As far as she's concerned, there never was a we. And... I was like, Marta, you're being really harsh to Bartosh in this case. <laughs> if I was on the, if I was in the show, if I was a character, I'll be like, Marta, you know, but nobody really uh, speaks up for Bartosh. I feel like she's placing all the blame for her heartache on him. And he's just an easy target because he's here. I think she's speaking for the group though. Cause remember Magnus was beating up on him. <laughs> Francisca was like icing him too. Um, Elizabeth, of, of course, was not. But, you know, we see later on in this episode, we don't see Bartosh hanging out at the uh, Doppler household later with everybody else. So he does wander off and Marta does kick him out of the group. And like when she leaves, it's not like Magnus and Katarina are all like, ah, that's yeah, cool, buddy. I mean, she kind of talks them into like seeing her way as well. And I think I kind of see on Magnus's face that he's kind of, you know, feeling pissed at Bartosh as well for not talking about this sooner. Because like you said, 
you wouldn't expect these kids to like tell adults about this, but they're so concerned that it's come to this now. And I think maybe that's the turn that, that Marta took where she's like, you never did this Martosh. You could have been doing this months ago (laughs) and you never did. Um, I can kind of, I can almost kind of see where she's coming from, but also obviously as a viewer, I can see that, you know, it is misplaced anger and, there's other people she she could be getting more mad at than Bartosh, but they're not there at the moment, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I just think that even at the end, she's like, she just walks away from everybody. She's like, mm-hmm. you guys can do whatever you want. So she's just in her own, she's just in a mood about, you know, the whole thing is she's just staring off the pendant and going, I think Bartosh is right. Jonas is coming back. And Bartosh is like, that's all you can think about. And then she's like, well, maybe he would know what's going on. And you don't know anything. And you could have told us this and that. (laughs) And, and I didn't, I guess I didn't feel like necessarily Magnus and Francisca were, I mean, they're obviously, they're not all friends and they know, Hey, we just tied you up too. So they might, they could feel a little guilty about it. I don't know. I just, I think Marta's Marta is in her own little, bubble right now (laughs) with her mind is only on Jonas and so I just it's like yeah you don't need to be um that pissy at Bartosh you know (laughs) but (laughs) you're not wrong because that I mean where does she go from here she goes straight to Jonas's house (laughs) yeah so so you're not wrong at all yeah I mean he could have Bartosh could be pissed off pretty pissed off at them um, and she's I feel like, like he should be, yes. Yeah, I do think he should be too, but... <sighs> so, yeah. let's move on from these teens. They're so unruly. <laughs> let's go visit Egon because he knows that what teens are really <laughs> like. <laughs> That's right. He talks to kids great. <laughs> so, in 1954, Egon goes to visit Helge. Greta Doppler warns that Helge is tired and can't talk long. Egon gets right to the point and asks if Helge has ever seen Claudia. And he holds this photo of her corpse, which I was thinking, this isn't the best idea to show a child, but this is Helge. He's seen a lot at this point, so he's probably not going to be phased <laughs> by a dead body. <laughs> I, I'm, I think the same thing, too. That was not appropriate. I said so yes. to Heather, my wife. And Heather was like, well, what, what else did you expect Egon to do if he's trying to ask, you know, Helge about this woman? I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Describe the woman. Hey, have you ever had when have you mm-hmm. seen a woman with long, stringy white hair? <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to show her a corpse photo. That's like so like macabre. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I. that's what I thought, too. I mean, this, this these are like little details that sometimes you go. Right. This doesn't seem quite realistic that they would be like showing it to to Helge. Like, here's this dead body. But (laughs) didn't she have her eyes open? (laughs) Doesn't she have her eyes open? In the picture, her eyes were closed, and she looked even creepier with her eyes closed. Very corpse-like. And like, I I believe I like made like an audible sound like when I first saw this scene, like when he showed the picture to Helge. I believe I was like, "Uh -uh." like, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. I put I put like in the notes, but I guess Egon figures Helge has seen it all by now. But I don't know where I would have gotten that idea. 
Um, well, I guess if at this point he hasn't seen it all, but he's seen enough. He's seen a man beating him over the head of the rock, and he's seen these schoolboys peeing on him. Remember that? He yeah. got mercifully, like, mercilessly yes. bullied. So he's seen a lot already. That's true. He, he has. But, um, okay, so at first Helge says nothing, but eventually he tells Egon that he told me about her, the white devil. This he gets Egon's attention because he's heard the term before, but also we know Egon really likes talking about devil worship and <laughs> anything with devils. Egon gets really excited. He does. It's true. So um, he looks shocked at first and is intensely like, what did you say? But then he realizes maybe this isn't the right tactic. <laughs> so then he's like, well, tell me about the white devil. <laughs> sort of like, tell me all about it, buddy, old pal. And Helge says that the white devil wants to kill everyone. Egon tries to assure him that she's dead and can't kill anyone anymore. And Helge just says, but she hasn't even started yet, which is creepy. Creepy and prophetic and mm -hmm. kind of true. <laughs> yeah that is really true <laughs> but um yeah any any thoughts about that scene i was like uh i felt like egon was like reading my mind in real time as i was watching this scene because like when the white devil thing came up and he got that big shocked look on his face <laughs> i was like dude chill chill if you want to get any answers you're gonna to have to chill yeah and then his face softens and then he kind of has a smirk like oh, tell me about the white devil <laughs> and i'm like yes yes so i felt like he was reading my mind like as i was giving him advice on how to handle this young boy <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it does seem like he's learned a thing or two since the last time he tried to talk to helge um, yeah, he's getting there. He's, he has confidence built up a little bit, I think, because he actually got, he did get Helge to talk, right? Or was it, it was Noah that got Helge to talk? It was Noah. Okay. All right. Well, there goes that theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was just, it was in Greta's face is really is interesting too, as he's, Helge is talking about the white devil. She wants to kill everyone. And Greta's like, <laughs> you know, she had she had an interesting look on her face too. Oh, I wanted to say too that Helge was wrong because he said that she wants to kill us all, and I don't think that's correct. I think maybe she will kill you all, but I don't think that's what she wants. Mm -hmm. Or this white devil, I mean, I don't know who it is yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what. Oh, and and Egon thinks when she says he that he's talking about um, Ulrich, like the man with yes, the stone. That's right. But it's, we're guessing he's talking about Noah. Yeah. Right. Did you think that too? Okay. Well, no, I was thinking Ulrich, but Noah makes more sense to me because I know that they, they have talked at this point and they have like established a relationship. Yeah. I mean, the only way that would be true is if, if Ulrich had mentioned the white devil when he came to visit little Helge, but I don't think he did. He was more like, did you kill them yet? And all this stuff. So I don't think he talks about Claudia to, or the white devil. I think 
that you give me an was... urge to dig through my notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's the only thing I could think of is if um when Ulrich came to see him at his house, if he if he brought up that phrase, but I don't think we did, but um so in 1987, Claudia goes to visit her dad at his apartment. She wants to know if he will move in with them. And she looks flustered, but she's trying to play it off like she's relaxed <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. she's anything but. Egon smiles at her concern and care for him, but he's not ready to move right the second. In fact, he has to go to a doctor's office to get his first chemo treatment. And Claudia asks if she can go with him. Egon seems really happy about this and it's almost a little sad because I feel like old mm -hmm. people really do love their kids and he's just he's like that's so nice that you want to come with me yeah his perception right now is that she's flustered because she just wants to like have him move in with her and now she's taking an interest in his health so yeah he's at this point he's probably over the moon Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then in 2020, Clawson talks to Alexander. He's accompanied by Waller, who hands Alexander a paper with a passport record for Alexander Kohler. Why Clawson did you make him do that? <laughs> that was such a power play. <laughs> yeah, it was like this scene is absolutely ridiculous because he <laughs> points out that according to the passport information, Alexander is the wrong height to be Alexander Kohler. <laughs> this minute detail gives Klassen an excuse he needs to arrest Alexander. So it was like, you know, nobody has ever made a mistake on a driver's license before, I guess. All you gotta say is I was trying to impress a girl. I, I lied. Or, or I, I was I wore shoe lifts. Yeah, I was wearing boots. I don't know. Like it's so stupid. But I I know where Clausen's coming from because Clausen absolutely believes that um Alexander Kohler is not who he says he is and that he's absolutely certain that he's mm -hmm. guilty. So he's just he's been digging for evidence for a long time, like interviewing people and trying to get all kinds of evidence. And this is all he came up with, <laughs> but it's enough for him to mm -hmm. arrest him on suspicion. It's almost like the, um, the Al Capone thing where everybody knew how guilty Al Capone was, but the only thing they could get him on was tax evasion. So that's what he went to jail for. Right. So Clausen's grasping at obvious straws, but he's trying to make a big show of it. Um, by having you know Waller hand him the evidence to make it seem more like weighty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where did the two inches go? You know, it's like he thinks he's on Law and Order or something, and he can like <laughs> yell it in his face. That's with triumph. <laughs> it seems like he's on the wrong show. That's absolutely it. <laughs> like we said before, like nobody's happy. Nobody's having a good time in this episode. Clausen's having a great time. He's loving life right now. He's That's true. <laughs> One person is having a great time and that person is Clausen. <laughs> but the the bureaucracy in Germany, I guess, is this is this tight that 2 inches can bring you to your knees. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. It's a tough country. <laughs> 
So across town, Stranger Jonas is looking at the photos that Hannah has laid out on the kitchen table. His reverie is interrupted by a knock at the door. The person at the door fills him with dread and anticipation. It's Marta, mm. hoping to talk to Hannah about this whole time travel thing. Jonas looks absolutely terrified to answer the door, but he can't help himself. So then Marta sees Stranger Jonas, enters the house anyway. Jonas's presence deeply unsettles her, even though she doesn't know who he is. She feels nervous and a touch of deja vu. She's about ready to leave when Jonas asks if it's a glitch in the Matrix. <gasps> Yeah, that's like their their little love story, their little love notes to each other. Martha stops in shock. He talks about the day she found the pendant. Mm -hmm. Martha realizes he must be Jonas, and Jonas looks down shyly, and they now see each other. That's all we get this scene of them too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was I love this scene. This was great, and I liked how. Yeah, just like you said, the glitch in the Matrix. That's like the little thing. That's like the the ultimate fist bump <laughs> yeah. between him and Mickle. That's how he knows that you know the person he's talking to. Um, so if it was Magnus, what do you think that like him and Magnus's signal is to each other that he could prove that <laughs> that that it's him? I'm thinking like smoke maybe like weed. <laughs> I don't know. We'll smoke weed, but you know we'll, we'll with with. <laughs> You know, Mickle is the fist bump with Marta. It's a reference to a movie. So I'm guessing with Magnus, I would be thinking it was like a Pickle Rick, like kind of quote, or maybe like a, a South Park thing, you know, because they're boys. They're like teenage boys in 2019. So like, that's probably what they're into. The black hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> I found your black hoodie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me? Yes, that might get them. <laughs> But yeah, this is another neat, um, neat reveal, and I, I like the way they play it too because they uh, they make us wait. I like the way that <laughs> that dark does that to us. They uh, they throw a go they throw a cool scene at you here, but you don't actually get to see them talk until later. So I, I like yeah. that formula. Yeah, and I this is the scene where he says like, "Do I make you nervous? Mm -hmm. Or do yeah?" And I don't want to make you nervous. Mm -hmm. So he's being very caring about her feelings and um yes. sensitive towards you know sensitive towards anything upsetting her yeah just like aware of his appearance and aware of the differences between them now mm -hmm. he could have lied and said that he was you know his uncle or something <laughs> i mean they could have easily gotten away with that yeah, the acting is really good here. You kind of yeah. you can see the teen Jonas in him. I feel like that's right. I'm 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 more of a stranger Jonas fan than a teen Jonas. Don't shoot me. I'm more of a stranger <laughs> Jonas fan. But um, yeah, I think he he was awesome this episode. Yeah. Well, we we all have to give up props to Andreas Peachman, but I feel like part of his that I guess was what I'm saying his acting is really good to be able to emulate a teenager. Oh. He has, he's kind of like a bumbling, yeah. like a teenager, just like Jonas <laughs> did. So they, that takes some work. It reminds me of that. I don't know if you ever saw the movie honey boy, but it's, mm -mm. Um, it's a, did you see it? I, I know I'm aware of it, but I didn't okay. see it. It's like the life story of, of Shia LaBeouf 
and the there's the character of Noah Jupe is the guy's name plays him when he's younger and then there's the adult character which I think I can't remember the character's name now but they did a lot of work on like body language and how do you how to stand and so that the person's stance was almost the same and that's I guess that's the kind of thing I'm seeing here like sure yeah it's really good acting yeah and the more I mean I I had to watch the episode multiple times and then the more you watch it the more you see it Mm -hmm. Um, just like Martha says later like now that I know it's obvious (laughs) yeah so back in 1987 Claudia sits nearby while Egon gets his chemotherapy I would have loved to get a screenshot of this because I felt like the this episode has really good like production design some of the most beautiful screenshots but this shot of like him in the chair and her next to him in this yellow room is really beautifully laid out yeah that old school like wood paneling like yeah at first I was going to make fun of the wood paneling, but I was like, oh, it's, it's like time appropriate. This is exactly what they would have in a comfortable <laughs> room in a hospital. It makes sense. Yeah. I have wood paneling at my house, Steve. <laughs> but in 2023? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he wonders aloud if he was a good police officer. Never good with emotions. Claudia doesn't really know what to tell him. She tries to change the topic and assures him that he was fine. He takes her hand and says, you were always different. You saw the world differently from the start. And Claudia starts to tear up at this rare moment of tenderness between father and daughter. You know, he's going through chemo. And it's one of those things when you're in, he probably feels like he's kind of on his deathbed or close to it. So I just I think that sometimes when you get have these kinds of things happen, you start to get what would you say contemplative? <laughs> you know, here here Whist- he's like wistful. kind of wistful. Yeah, he's like trying to reach out to his daughter here. Maybe this will be one of the last moments they get to talk to each other. Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> he also wonders. If he doesn't, he doesn't see the world correctly. Hmm. He thinks he did something stupid once. He brings up a movie about a guy that can use a car to get to the past. I guess that's Back to the Future. Gotta be. He thinks the stuff in that movie really exists. Time travel must exist. Somehow it has to do with Mads and Helge. He regrets deeply that he failed to see these events correctly. For her part, Claudia says nothing. She does not like that Egon is talking this way. And like Charlotte, she kind of wants to figure this out on her own without interference. Yeah, he's getting a little too close to the truth here for her comfort, I guess. And it's kind of freaking her out, maybe. Um, Yeah. I mean, part of me wonders why it had to be like that. Like, why didn't, because I think even in the last episode, there's a moment when they're in the car, when she and her father are in the car and they are talking, well, maybe it's the episode before, because last episode was, you know, didn't have them in it. 
but they're for the last couple episodes where we've seen them they've been having these conversations where egon seems to be getting closer and closer to the truth and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one way she could handle it is how she's doing it here where it's like oh gotta keep him away from that but in, in another universe she could be like you know what, dad, you're right. And here, let me tell you what I know. And, (laughs) you know, like see him as a partner or somebody she could confide in. But so I guess I have, I guess I have like a, a question sort of in my head about why she chose, why she felt like he couldn't know anything. I think because she knows him. Um, And he, I was going to say this later. I'll say it now because mm-hmm. it seems appropriate. I kind of view Egon, I've realized, as like a Ned Stark type character, like from Game of Thrones. And what I mean by that, if if you or the listeners aren't familiar, is uh, Ned Stark was a character that was like full of honor and he never lied, always told the truth, always did what was right. And it, and it got him killed very quickly. He wasn't able, he wasn't a very savvy political maneuverer he wasn't you know good with his friends because of his honor and they say that like um you know he wore his honor around him like a coat of protection and like would never take it off i think egon's kind of the same way and everything he does in his eyes is the right thing to do like you know capturing ulrich the times that he has and the choices that he's made are always like well, this is the right thing to do, so I'm going to do it. It doesn't seem like he has motives. Mm-hmm. So I think that Claudia knows that about him. She's always known that about him. Ever since she was young, she recognized those characteristics in him. So I think she knows that he's not a really good person to <laughs> confide <laughs> like secrets like that in. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're you're right. Like, not only is he honest, but he kind of does things by the book. You know, like, I need to report this to the cops and go, yes. everything's above board. Yes. Whereas if she, I guess part of me wants to think, because I feel like towards the end, we are we keep hoping Egon will kind of wake up from the stupidity that he seems to have about these things where he can't see sort of the truth right in front of his face. Mm -hmm. And you kind of want to think that if she said, dad, I'm doing this for Regina and explain like, you know, what's, what's really going on that it's for the greater good that he would be able to understand that. But I guess maybe, that's not in his character mold and that wouldn't work for the person of Egon. (laughs) I don't think, yeah, I think so too. I mean, if somebody came to me and was like, Hey, I need to, um, you know, kill your mom for the greater good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wouldn't believe them. I wouldn't allow that to happen. (laughs) Yeah. But no, nobody's, nobody's killing his mom. I mean, the kids are already, well, she she sacrificed him for Regina. So it's kind of almost the same thing. Like we're, but she only had to do that because she wanted to keep him from the truth. I mean, if, Mm -hmm. if they had worked together, she wouldn't have necessarily needed, 
he wouldn't need but i guess they needed him what what did egon's death did egon's death accomplish anything in the loop like if egon didn't die then what you know i don't know i guess claudia might have called yeah. the fbi on the nuclear power plant and right but I, yeah but if he if he had been brought into the fold you know, if he'd become Sigmundus and like, I don't think, the... I think like Ned Stark, he would not have been able to be brought okay. into the fold. All right, all right, all right. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll go with it, Steve. I, I guess oh, like you don't I was have like, to. We well, no, I mean, I, I think I was just trying to think. Did what did his death accomplish in the loop, if anything? Um, did it have an effect on some other some character's life? I mean, obviously, I Claudia it felt it terrible. Sacrifice. What? I think it did. I think it was a sacrifice. That's what Claudia, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But I think he was a sacrifice. So we are getting ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's continue on for now. Okay. So in 1954, Egon returns to the police station to find that another woman is waiting for him in his office. This is a theme. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's like, he kind of looks freaked out, but that's because the last time a woman was in his office, it was Claudia. So he's that's like, right. well, he's going to be there this time. <laughs> so um, apparently it's about the man in the asylum. The woman claims she knows him, and Egon's curious to talk to this new person. The woman turns out to be Hannah. Hannah claims she's looking for her husband. She saw his picture in the paper and he that he was accused of killing children. Egon shows her Ulrich's photo with his face bloodied. Hannah then play acts at not being sure. She would like to see the man for herself. Um, Egon admits that he's in the psychiatric ward, so gaining an audience could be tricky, and he thinks the man won't talk to anyone. When asked her name, Hannah says she's Katerina Nielsen. Already lying. <laughs> But she turns him around though like she convinces Egon because she's like he might talk to me so it kind of makes sense in a way it's like it's another straw to grasp at um, kind of a surprise visit and Egon probably should have been tipped off from the get go that she might not be legit because he says that we reached out to family and you know nobody responded so I think he was looking for an answer there, and she never really gave him one. Mm-hmm. But, like, how could... I don't even know what he meant by that, because the guy didn't yeah, me neither. have his name. <laughs> so what What family did he reach out to? I think they and just maybe just asked in the, in the article. You if know, anybody knows this man, please yeah. reveal yourselves. <laughs> and I think Egon's question, the reason he brought that up is, like, why didn't you step forward then which she never never clarifies hmm. um she looks 1953 though she sure does have that look and she nails it yeah i i was like why did she say she's katarina nielsen <laughs> like that I, she did so like if things went well at the prison then she could say to Ulrich, okay, you're Ulrich Nielsen now and just tell them I'm your wife, Katerina. I think, I think that was kind of a smart play on her mind. She like went in there with kind of like two ideas of how this might go down 
And one way it would have went down was it's like I'm that's my husband, Ulrich Nielsen. And yeah. I don't know what would have happened then. It did not happen. <laughs> yeah. You have to kind of wonder if she had a plan based on what happens later. But I guess we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, we will. Okay. So back in 2020, Jonas, stranger Jonas and Marta talk at the kitchen table. She wonders where he has been and he tells her that he was trying to fulfill his promise to make things right. He keeps apologizing to her and she grabs his hand. She then touches his arm, trying to make sense of the fact that he's real. <laughs> then she touches his face and he relishes her touch, savoring the moment. Yeah. And I think he's apologizing to her for a couple of reasons, too, because he needs to tell her this key piece of information, like how they're related. Mm. But, he, you know, <laughs> all he can do is just say, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, Marta. Yeah. He doesn't get much time, though, because <laughs> things happen. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, their union is interrupted by an angry Katarina. <laughs> she just broke into the door, into the house. Um, she was knocking on the door. Nobody came to answer. And when no one answers, Katarina's hoodlum days take over, <laughs> and she just breaks in. <laughs> Jonas steps in front of Marta protectively, and perhaps for good reason, because Katarina comes in by way of a hammer. Actually, I got to correct you. It was a crowbar that she had. She had a red crowbar, a red crowbar in her hand. Okay. <laughs> so there's that passionate I crowbar. I thought it was a hammer. Okay. So she's taken aback for only a moment before dragging Marta out from behind Jonas. She wonders if Marta knows who this is and where her brother is. Jonas is her grandson and Marta's nephew. Marta looks at Jonas, hopefully, but all he can do is apologize again. Yep. Now Marta is perhaps thinking of how it made sense for Jonas to reject her that day in the rain. I hope she's thinking that, yes. <laughs> we hope she gets there eventually. Yeah. Because that hurt her very badly. And that wasn't that long ago in her timeline. In Jonas's timeline, it was 33-some years ago, but in her timeline, it was just five or six months ago. Mm -hmm. So hope, hopefully she does. Yeah, she's thinking about that. You're right, Lindsay. Go on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Katarina demands to know where the time travel machine is. Jonas again has to apologize because <laughs> Hannah has taken the machine. And here I feel like you, it really kicks in. It kind of matches what I was saying before. Like, because he's like, Hannah took it, you know, like the way he says her name is like <laughs> yeah. total aggravation. So it is really upsetting him that he took, she took that machine. Katarina yeah. asks how she can get Mikkel back. But Marta steps in to say that Magnus now has a device that they time traveled. Katarina wonders if she saw Mikkel. It's news to Marta that Mikkel is in 1987 because mm -hmm. when Katarina says, did you see Mikkel? She, Marta's like, Mikkel? Like, so she didn't know that tidbit that your brother is there. Okay, and, all right. And 
that that yeah that piece of the puzzle hadn't clicked in she knew there was time travel and that that's why dad and mickle were missing mm -hmm. but it seemed to really surprise her that mickle was there so something had hadn't clicked in her brain for some reason See, katarina took, oh go oh, ahead no, nope you finish up and then i'll say it okay katarina warns Jonas to keep away from marta I guess Katarina feels no warmth for her grandson. <laughs> That's right. They, they're family. They should be hugging. <laughs> Why are they not? <laughs> see, what was I going to interrupt you and say? Something about Marta. Oh, yeah. Um, so what I took from that okay. when Katarina said that about Mikkel and then Marta got that look on her face, I kind of took, I saw that differently. I saw that as Marta being like, what, why are you asking about Mickle? That's what I was thinking at. Like, you know, I'm right here in front of you. I just told you I time travel and now you want to know about Mickle. And that's kind of echoed later on too, when we see, um, Hannah and Ulrich talk, and then he brings up Mickle and then the same kind of look on Hannah's face, her face kind of falls a little bit like, Oh, he's asking mm. about his family. Yuck. <laughs> so I think I'm wrong. I think my assessment was wrong there. I think you're right that that is when she realizes that Mikkel is back in time because she translates that information to Magnus later on. So hmm. I believe that you're correct. Well, maybe not. I mean, maybe, maybe she was just thinking that Jonas is gone because of the time travel. Yeah, I don't know. Now I'm now I'm confused about it, but it <laughs> seemed like she was either just not thinking about Mickle or it hadn't mm -hmm. yeah, dawned on her that he was in why would I have seen Mickle? Like, yeah. I think that's what it is and that she's starting to realize that Mickle's time traveled also. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm believing you, not myself. Okay. <laughs> So then, across town, Clausen enters the interrogation room, ready to question Alexander. He holds out a gun and lays it between them. What? I feel like <laughs> I feel like the, he's. I was like, remember when we used to talk about how like Egon treats Ulrich? Um, Clausen is like loving his to toy with Alexander much more than I think Egon ever did. Oh my God, the way he turned the light on in the room and was just like so smug, like I've shined the light on you, Alexander. <laughs> Man. So he tells Alexander that the his brother went missing in 1986. His brother's name was Alexander Kohler. There are 700 Alexander Kohlers in Germany and he himself is now untraceable and took his mother's maiden name. However, a few months ago, Clausen received an envelope giving him a tip. The message reads, He that has eyes to see and ears to hear may convince himself that no mortal can keep a secret. If his lips are silent, he chatters with his fingertips. Betrayal oozes out of him at every pore. <laughs> You'll find the answer concerning your brother in Winden, signed a friend. And, and go ahead. I was, that's a that's an interesting letter he's got there, and <laughs> it, 
Okay, you have one more sentence to go, and then I'm going to talk. <laughs> okay, he says, Clausen just says he's sure of one thing. Alexander is not his brother. So, yeah, this whole scene clues us into Clausen a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. He makes some reveals. I think it's very, very interesting that he reveals that he himself is untraceable. Right. So that makes me, it makes my hackles rise. Like maybe he... And maybe he's not even a police officer. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's, he's out there just like Alexander Kohler, like under a alias, nobody knows where he came from. So that's, that's some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. So I guess, and I don't even know if we know his first name, but his, he was obviously somebody Kohler before. Mm -hmm. And now he's somebody Clausen instead so he's now untraceable. So yeah, it kind of, it's like game, game finds game or game matches game. Yeah. Game is like, he's like, I game know game. Yes. Okay. That's, that's it. <laughs> but as he's doing this, as Alexander is reading this letter, Clausen's like reading the word, reciting the words out along with him. He's got this letter right. memorized. He's absolutely obsessed. And I don't feel good about Alexander right now. I think he's in a pretty um, weak place. And this gunplay that he's pulling on Alexander is so bizarre. I'm not sure about that whole, like, laying the gun down, then pushing it to the side. Then mm -hmm. he points it in his face. And yeah. Not very police officer-y of him. I guess he had it from the Hannah bag. I, I don't think that's it. It can't be it, can it? No, because, yeah, the Hannah, Hannah has the gun. She has a black gun. It, it looks different. This was like a silver gun. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, that's not the same gun. If it was the same gun, then it would be like, I, it'd be like game over for Alexander, like, you know, calling the FBI at that point or the Interpol or whatever. <laughs> um, but he's got nothing on him other than these two inches in this cryptic <laughs> poem. That's all he's really got on him at this point. Yeah. Where is Alexander's lawyers? I know he's got lawyers cause he's got that power plant. And mm -hmm. if you own a company like that, you got lawyers. So I wonder yeah. if anybody even knows he's there. They must. He arrested him at work, right? Yeah, he showed up at Alexander's power plant at the office and arrested him there. So he didn't yeah. take him under the cover at night or anything like that. That's true. Come on, lawyers. Get in the, get in the <laughs> game here. <laughs> but even if they did, I mean, we know that Alexander's shady, okay? I guess we got we to gotta admit that to ourselves, <laughs> that he came into town all shady. He'd been shot. Um, with an assumed name, I, I don't. I don't yeah. know who. To, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't like Clausen's attitude. I don't like his demeanor. <laughs> so I'm on Alexander's if the, side. If the accusation is identity theft, then like even if he has an attorney, is is that considered sort of null and void because? He has this job at the wind and power plant, which is like a very powerful job. And the reason mm -hmm. he has all this stuff is because 
of his position. So if he has mm. the position under false under false pretense, then that may make the city be like, sorry, buddy, no lawyer. <laughs> I don't, okay. I don't, yeah, I don't know call. my legality that much. I don't either, but that's a, that's a, that's a good point. Enough to satisfy me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, man, I should have had that career then if it satisfied you. Maybe I should have gone into uh, legal defense. All judges are not like me. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> so in 1954, Egon drives Hannah to see Ulrich. And this is, I just like this because we're back on the, this road again, Forest Road. <laughs> we have to keep going on the street with Egon <laughs> in his car, right? Yep, Everybody's yep. got to drive down this way. So he tells her that Ulrich never confessed. He only said he wanted to save the children. He asks if they have children, and Hannah says no. And Egon finds this strange since the man said he was looking for his son. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nice one, Hannah. <laughs> Get a clue, Egon. Come on, if, buddy. <laughs> if you were there. <laughs> exactly. It's right there in front of your face. <laughs> so he asks if she has heard of the white devil. And she says no. And she also laughs. <laughs> yes. The, then this this is like the Yona scene, right? Remember? Yeah, exactly. Like, have you ever... Um, do you know anything about Satanism? Yes, that's exactly what I thought about. That's crazy. <laughs> he then suggests that if he does talk, that she try to get him to confess. Meaning Ulrich, yeah. Yes, that's right. I mean, I, it's still a good plan. Why not? I mean, I think Egon has his doubts, but he also really wants to get some of these cases solved and, you know... All the police do. That's like that's their job. So obviously yeah. he wants to do that. I didn't mention I wanted to mention um last scene with Clausen. I forgot to. Um, because I wrote down the uh the phrase chatters with his fingertips. Yes. So obviously like somebody is uh, you know, narking and on the computer or like writing things but not actually saying things. Um that made me think about Elizabeth because she can't speak or hear, mm -hmm. but she could write things down. I don't think she knows anything about Alexander Kohler, but <laughs> it just made me think about Elizabeth for whatever reason. Um, it also, you know, these talk about betrayal and then these signs that a friend. So we didn't speculate who might've written the letter. That's mm -hmm. what I, that's at, when I was looking at my notes for the, for the Hannah and Egon scene that jumped out at me. That um, that's just something we forgot to talk about. Um, not that we have to, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that that somebody narked him out. So I think it's somebody in the so sick who Mundus do you, who crew. Who do you think? Okay, somebody in sick Mundus. I'm thinking. Um, I mean, I don't even know how she would even know this. But just based on this episode, I'm thinking Claudia because she's like really trying to like change things and make things right. I, their paths haven't crossed at all, Claudia and Clausen. Well, no, yeah, Claudia is kind of tied in because she's the mom of Regina. Um, I don't know. I just, I just had. I'm, I feel sure that it's a traveler, 
and I'm just leaning towards Claudia. And I, if I'm right, it might just be because I, I somehow subconsciously remember that from when I saw it like a couple of years ago. But um, that's who my number one suspect would be right now. Okay. You know who wrote the letter, though, probably? I believe I remember who wrote the letter, but if even oh. if I was to speculate about who wrote the letter, I feel like I couldn't do that without t- talking about the next episode. Oh, um, okay. But More to come. <laughs> yeah, I would say probably if we think back to our camps, we have the camp who wants to change things and then the camp that wants things to stay the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing it's somebody in the camp who wants things to stay the same. Oh, um, I was thinking the opposite. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Who are the who are the keep things the same camp? That'd be more like um, Adam, I suppose. Adam, like Becca. Claudia. Um. Well, it's it's interesting because it's, it sort of changes. It does. But like the the um, the thing, the way it's worded in the episode when Claudia hangs out with her older self is that they want things to the cycle to repeat itself so that Regina Regina can be saved. Hmm. Um, that's right. That's right. But then later we also hear Claudia thinking about um, that finding finding a way to break free. So right. I think she's kind of like keep everything running until I can figure out the other option. But I think uh, I think a person in Sigmundus is a good guess too. Um, so um, in 1987, Claudia drives Egon home. Apparently, he's been filling her in on the details. Okay, this is the scene I was thinking of in the car. We hadn't gotten there yet. Okay. That the man from the future came to 1953, and that the same man tried to kidnap another boy. She asks where the man is now. And with every question, Claudia gets more and more nervous. Claudia wants him to move in with her today. Mm-hmm. He seems happy because he thinks this means she believes him, which doesn't make any sense. But okay, Egon, he's <laughs> he's like a happy little puppy dog when it comes to Claudia. He's like, you mean you believe me? <laughs> More than anything, Egon desires confirmation that he's not crazy. I th- I um I realized something um just tonight when me and Heather were watching this episode during dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, as I watched it the previous times, I never could quite figure out why Claudia jumped on it so quickly when he was talking about, um, you know, time travel and Ulrich going into the cave and stuff. She's like, well, we need, we need to get you to my place today. <laughs> like she just yeah. made this like determination. Mm-hmm. I realize now I didn't realize this tonight. Here's my big revelation that. Okay. I should have caught the first time (laughs) is that she's concerned that Ulrich is going to go to her dad's apartment and kill him because he's talking about this madman who came out of a cave and um, how he like, she was like, well, where is he now? And he's like, you know, who he's up. He's back at the asylum. You know, he's, he's around. 
that's when she's like, that does it. You know, you're coming home with me. Cause I, I do believe that she's afraid that Ulrich is going to break free that day and come and kill her dad. Hmm. Okay. That makes it, a lot of sense. That never mm -hmm. dawned on me either. I just thought she was saying, um, I need to keep an eye on you. You know, I need to be, I need to make sure yeah. you don't go do anything. But yeah, that's if if she knows her dad dies today, mm -hmm. then you're right. Maybe Ulrich would be the most obvious person that would want to kill him. I mean, her goal is is to get that apartment like in their rear view as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So like, you know. Yeah. I did yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, good call. <laughs> I only, took five, I only took five watches to realize <laughs> that the last time, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Yeah, that never really clicked in place for me, so I appreciate that. So then in 2020, Francisca and Magnus show the time machine to Peter and Charlotte. Peter wants to know when to when did they travel? And it's Peter's turn to raise his voice. <laughs> that was, you know, usually it's Charlotte yelling. Yeah. Or, you know, and Peter is like freaked out now. Francisca slowly realizes her parents know all about this. Mm -hmm. Magnus then gets a call during which we can assume that Marta told him about stranger Jonas. Magnus says that Jonas has returned, but older. Charlotte then asks them to stay out of it. And Franziska loses her temper because she's tired of the secrets and she storms out of the house. Yeah, I can see why she's mad. She's mad now for the same reason Marta was mad at Bartosh because mm -hmm. she's like, you guys already knew about this stuff and you weren't telling me. And she feels like she's been being dissed by her parents anyway because they're never around. Right. So, yeah, Katerina. Not Katerina. Francisca. <laughs> <laughs> They're soul sisters. They're angry Yeah, ladies. it's like, it is kind of funny, though, because she walks out of the house and then Magnus is like, well, <laughs> you know, like, I guess I'll leave too. <laughs> Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Doppler. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it, this is quite, it was quite a thing, quite a speech. Um. She's like, she really just goes off and she's like, you didn't even tell us, let us know. And when dad was screwing Benny, what a right. bunch of dumb heads you are. <laughs> you know, she says something like that they're inadequate and they're like, yeah, the two of them are like, uh, <laughs> Francisca, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah. They kind of don't know what to say because she's just giving them some truth and it's tough on everybody. She's sick of the secrets. I don't blame her. Right. Remember she had that speech that she did to Magnus about mm -hmm. that, how they would be like polite at each other, but it's yeah. all the secrets and the anger is there with your toast and your jam, you know, that it's this unspoken thing that swelters and smothers her and she's feeling oh, it right. now and she's going to let it all out. <laughs> yep. All right, so then, 1954, Hannah comes face-to-face -face with Ulrich. Wow, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> He's back. Because <laughs> we have all, we, we want this for him, too. You know, we yeah. want 
Ulrich to have some some peace, some like justice here. Something, yeah. So <laughs> Egon stays agrees to stay back so they can talk in private. Hannah seems I will say Hannah seems to have be able to wrap Egon around her little finger for some reason. He does whatever she says. She's all um, grabbing him through the bars and stuff. That's uncalled for. <laughs> yeah. But I guess I just mean like for Egon's part, he's like Oh, he's that's right. Like, yeah, she's he it's like first she talked him into, like you said, getting to see Auric at all. And then, you know, then she's like, I'll talk to him in private. That's probably not something they would normally allow. um, No, not at all. (laughs) That's a terrible move. For a man who's all about the duty. Well, he's trying to be, you know, he's trying to respect this woman's wishes or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's honorable to him. Yeah. So, um... All right, Ulrich shuffles forward, and he's wearing this straight jacket, and his ankles are cuffed together. His face is beaten badly. She reaches out to touch his face. He jumps back at first. No one has tenderly touched him in almost a year. But after a minute, he comes to and realizes it's her, and he thinks she's an angel. He weeps in gratitude that she came for him and asks about Mikkel, Katarina, and the rest of his kids. Her face becomes hardened as he asks about other people. And cruelly, Hannah asks if he could choose today, who would he pick, Katerina or her? Mm -mm. She remembers out loud that he never said, I love you. He tells her he loved her and he still loves her. And he asks for her help getting out and says he will then he will leave Katerina. She cuts back that he needs no one, especially her. <laughs> and I guess she's thinking about what Jonas, stranger Jonas said to her when she says this. Cause yeah. um, he begs for her to help and she turns her back on him. And Hannah tells Egon that it's not her husband, which is true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But Egon doesn't suspect a darn thing here. Does he? <laughs> It's like, I mean, come on. This was such a show. It was, it was such a obvious show that that they just gave him. And I don't know. I didn't like the way that Egon didn't even suspect that she was having some foul play here and messing with this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, her face hardened. It did. Like you watch her face change. At first, he's calling her an angel, and she's just so, like, beside herself. Like, yes, this is how I wanted this to go. This is what she wanted. She wanted him to call her an angel and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. as soon as he starts asking about his family, which is not what she wants him to do, <laughs> she doesn't want him to go back to Mikkel and Hannah. and Not Hannah. Mikkel and Martha and Magnus and all them. Yeah. Um, and that's when she switches it up coldly yeah it's 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 not fun to watch <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah this is this is really brutal yeah. because and i had remembered the scene differently oh, yeah? i thought i remembered that that he didn't say he loved her that like he had you know 
that he had just, you know, been. Anyway, he does say he loves her. It's not like he. Because before though. he said, you know, she said, I love you. And he said, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually said, I love you and says he will leave Katerina. But I guess maybe. Maybe ha- Hannah that suspects moment. that he was just saying it. Mm-hmm. To, just to get out of jail. To get yeah. her help. To get back to his family that he loves and still cares for. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, you know, we have sort of had that moment in the bunker when her and when she's like, you need to tell Katerina and make sure right. that Katerina knows. So you're sort of roped into this thought that, oh, maybe Hannah does care. You know, she's not a heartless bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is this is like, I don't know, the lowest, the lowest you could probably go. This is the, I yeah. feel like this is the only time I've seen somebody on the show like cruelly hurt right. somebody on purpose. Besides Clausen, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she leaves her son stranded, steals his device, and then to go to do some kind of weird ultimatum with her old lover and then leave him stranded as well. And I guess that makes her feel powerful to do these things. I don't know, but mm-hmm. you're right. It's totally cruel. She's a evil, I won't call her an evil genius. She's a evil woman. <laughs> yeah. It does, you know, this, I guess this is where we can talk about the plan. It's like, okay. For, it kind of makes me wonder what her plan was. Like, since, Maybe, you know, if things had gone well, maybe she thought they'd run off in the sunset together. Mm -hmm. But it just seemed like she quickly came to this decision that she was going to leave him and that it doesn't really matter what he said anymore. She was just going to punish him by by just walking away. It's just. Yeah. Well, her plan is revealed Um, again. We're going to talk ahead of ourselves here, but. She. She. She's gone. She left Wyndon behind, or she left that old Wyndon behind. She's off to make a fresh start. She hoped to make a fresh start with Ulrich, but if it's not going to be with Ulrich, then it's going to be a fresh start by herself, and she's just going to, you know, follow her senses from here, I suppose. I think that I think she's done with everything behind her. She sees Jonas as, like, as, like, have broken up with her or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't break up with your mom, but kind of. I guess. I guess I thought, yeah, well, I guess we can talk about it later. I thought maybe that was a a new a prompt, impromptu, you know. What? What's that? But let's just talk about it when we get to that scene. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So in 2020, Katerina looks at their family photo. Marta walks behind her and hugs her from behind. She tells Katerina... That everything will be fine. In walks Magnus with the suitcase. Katarina wonders if they know how to use it. But uh, they, they tell her that only Bartosh does. Katarina closes it up and takes it upstairs. Mom! <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Marta tells Magnus that both Mikkel and Ulrich are alive. They are in another time. Yep. So I guess Martha now is on board with what Katarina is aware of i guess they talked in the car or something Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) 
she did the old Alexander Kohler here. She yeah. like hugged her mom and told her everything's going to be okay. I like that. Everything will be okay. <clears throat> yep. Everything will be okay. And if everything is not okay, then it's the end. That's or what, not like, the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Ling and <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway. Back in 1987, Claudia tries to rush Egon into packing his things quickly. Egon asks for a minute. He grabs his medications, as she suggested. Egon rambles on about Ulrich and how that he wanted him to go to the caves. He realizes the caves are the center of everything. Claudia does not want anyone interfering with the caves and tries to stop her father from calling the police, but in true form, Egon will not be swayed. He steps back from her, breathing hard. Perhaps this last puzzle piece has clicked into place. Never did mm-hmm. Egon suspect his own daughter would want to keep him from the truth. Mm-hmm. He recognizes that Claudia is really there because she knows about time travel because he says, why are you really here? Right. He realizes it's not about him and her care for him that she knows about the time travel and that it's related to the nuclear plant. Egon is sad to realize that Claudia may be part of the block that's been hiding the truth. Perhaps she knows about the missing boys. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. It's too terrible for him to fully comprehend and he wants the caves to be searched. Um, I feel do you like want to say anything? <laughs> do you want to yeah, say anything now? <laughs> I feel like you're proving my case for me here with okay. your words. <laughs> that um that that that's exactly what Egon was would do is call the police and do the right thing all the time. Um, what about you? Well, because but but he only knows half of the half of the formula. That's like saying. <laughs> I feel like if perhaps. The reason he's now horrified about Claudia is he thinks that is he suspects these things about her. But if it's kind of like old, you know, Egon's shown all along, he's not the like he kind of sees things, but he only sees one side, like the proverbial elephant that Clausen likes to talk about. He sees the worst in people like he he sees something and he kind of assumes the worst case scenario. Yes, you're exactly right. And that's exactly why he's so horrified is because he's always thought Claudia was different and he always thought Claudia was honorable and he's horrified that Claudia is part of that like unhonorable group of people that are trying to hide things like murder. And he's so horrified that he's just beside himself. I think uh, to me, it all makes perfect sense because he never realized that Claudia could possibly be anybody bad. She's his daughter. Like, you know, he thinks the world of her. So like his whole world is crashing now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep going because I have more good stuff in here. Okay. So then <laughs> Claudia is now fully yelling denials. Oh, I thought we were done with that scene. Okay, yes. Oh, no. Yeah, I have a lot more here. (laughs) Claudia tries to regain control, but Egon has his marching orders now. At all costs, he will report what he's found. A man of duty. So I guess I have this in here. Like, I I believed you even before I realized it. Okay. Claudia (laughs) knows she can't have swarms of police searching the caves. 
The secrets are too precious. What's in the cave eclipses all scientific discovery, is what she right. says. Egon is then shocked that for Claudia, it's all about her, that she has no heart. I felt like this was a sudden shift from what he mm -hmm. just told her. You know, he was just telling her, you've always been different. You saw the world differently from the start. And now he's like, you haven't changed. It's all about you. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> wow, this is a shocking turn of, I thought you thought she was different in a good way. But now he's kind of saying like, I've always thought all along you were selfish and self-involved and now I have the proof. I saw it as I, I didn't see it that way. I thought that, like I said, that he always put her on a pedestal and now he's shocked at what he's seeing the truth now with his eyes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It was just the way he says, you haven't changed. It's all about you. You have no heart. Um, yeah. Is what is what he says. And. Mm, okay. The fact is, Claudia is wanting to help Regina. She doesn't, but she doesn't yeah. feel she can share this with Egon. Yeah, I don't know if he. Yeah. She wants to help Regina, but she also wants to help Egon too. You know, you're yeah. talking about how like she could tell him the truth, mm -hmm. and that's the truth that she could tell him that might sway him. Like, hey newspaper article that said that you were going to die today in this apartment. So let's get out, get of, out here of here now. <laughs> yeah. Can we argue about this later after I moved you into my apartment? <laughs> then yes. we can resume this fight over the phone. Um, all right. So they fight over the phone and Egon ends up falling down, knocking his head. I think it's important that we all understand Claudia did not push him. He right. just fell. Yes. And, he fell against like a corner of a table. And so blood begins to pool behind his head. Claudia tries to help him and goes to call an ambulance while her father whimpers. And at the last moment, she hangs up on emergency services. I guess she's just too afraid that Egon will report the caves. And she remembers the words of older Claudia. You will have to make sacrifices. Everything will happen as it always does. But if everything goes right, she'll live. Regina. Mm -hmm. Am I jumping in now? Am you I okay can. with that? Okay. What do you got to say? <laughs> I'd say, um, yeah, you're right. She, the struggle, it was a struggle, but she didn't, she didn't push him. You're right. Is there like a school of thought that thinks that the, she did that on purpose or something? No, I don't think anybody's ever said like she does it on purpose. But I think when you're watching this, you can kind of, the it's like, it's that old argument. If um, you don't stop something from happening, is that the same as murder? Like, did she murder her father? Right. She didn't. Um, intentionally harm him, but she also didn't make sure he got help. So is that the same? I'm just, it's more of a philosoph philosophical question yeah. than really a statement I'm making. The same thing happened um, in Breaking Bad as well. It's another TV show. A similar thing happened where a person goes into a room and they watch a person OD on drugs, mm -hmm. but right. they don't, they don't step in 
to stop. They just watch it happen and then like walk out of the room. So that person also did not kill that person. That person OD'd on drugs, but they were there and they could have prevented it from happening Mm -hmm. had they stepped in. They chose not to. That's what Claudia did here. She didn't kill him, but she did make the choice to not call the police and report it quickly. That is a choice that she did make. So she did have a part in it, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was... He lost life pretty quickly, so right. you could say even if she'd called an ambulance, would that have been able to save him? No, they would not have been able to save him. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, <clears throat> so it did. Yeah, I, so then, well, I guess she could have called for the ambulance and he still would have died, and then at least she mm-hmm. would know he didn't, you know, she didn't just watch her father die, but right. She would have felt um, better about that. I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know she would have. <laughs> um, so Egon begins to lose life. Uh, Claudia apologized for this act. And Egon says, you are the white devil. That's the last thing he says to her. A chilling prophecy that has come true. Egon watched as his daughter's body was exhumed for evidence while Claudia watches passively as her father dies from blood loss. Oh, interesting. I like that. (laughs) I didn't make that connection. Thank you. I like it. Yeah, this episode starts with Egon looking at Claudia's body. And and this isn't the very end, but it's... That's so cool. ...bookended by Claudia watching her father die. That's much better than what I wrote down because I wrote down this was like a Batman movie, like a Batman ending. <laughs> so I like years better. It's it, it shadows the beginning. Um, I did say something else interesting, though, because I, I didn't just look at it like a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they changed the lighting around. They made the lighting like really like red and kind of like this orange kind of sinister glow in the apartment. That's mm-hmm. obviously a choice. They didn't have yeah. to do that. So I thought it was really neat the way they kind of did that and kind of foreshadowed what was going to happen in a way, like how like weird and orange and strange the apartment looked. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the color of yellow has been associated with Egon a lot in the show. Like he had his yellow uniform Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. shirt and in the chemotherapy room, the the room was sort of yellow. Right. Yep. And this is, they made it, this almost looks like Twilight. And so okay, you could say yellow added with red, like the blood would be orangey. So maybe that's, <laughs> it's sort of a, a very, it's a very strong tonal choice. But yeah. Sucks for him that he has to realize this, like his last thing that he realizes before he dies is that his daughter is the white devil. And that he's mm-hmm. been thinking about his whole life. Um, yeah. Bummer. <laughs> That's a cool reveal, though, because, you know, we were talking about in previous episodes who was the white devil. And Claudia's name never came up. No, I would never have suspected her. <laughs> People were thinking could be Noah, could be Oreg. Yeah. Adam. <laughs> you wouldn't have thought it was it was Claudia. 
No, and it's really neat, just like Jonas, too, where she's, like, trying so hard to, like, change the past of what she knows, and instead she just reinforces it with her very presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's one of the things I like about Dark a lot, too, is, like, of course we don't have time travel, <clears throat> but we do have, you know, things in our lives. We have choices that we make, and we wish we had made certain choices and you know other choices we have to stick with for our lives and they'll always be there and mm -hmm. you know sometimes i think about that when i think of, when i watch this show I'm, i find myself thinking about that a lot like you know how you know just how it can relate to <laughs> obviously how it can relate to our lives i suppose i don't have a great way to wrap that up i think you get my <laughs> gist yeah, it's a poetic justice, I think, here, too, that in the last episode, Claudia is saying, you know, there will be times when you'll need to make the sacrifices. And oh, yeah. here she's reciting those words to herself. <clears throat> this is why it reminded me of a Batman movie, because the villain reveal and the villain is like <laughs> saying these things that were like, you know, muttered earlier in this in the show. So, yeah. Okay, so in 1987, Egon has just died, and across the 33 years in the past, in 1954, Egon offers Hannah a cigarette. Uh -huh. <laughs> he apologizes for not acting quicker when Ulrich lost control. He then wonders if she knows Agnes Nielsen, because the name is that name of Nielsen is mm -hmm. unusual. She says no and then asks if she's traveling back today. She reports that she lost everything and wants a fresh start. Egon leans forward to give her light. He then lights his own and they smile at each other. Hannah and her cigarettes, man. She <laughs> drives them in wild. And like, yeah, they're making these smoldering eyes at each other. I know, I know what's going to happen here. <laughs> I, I've got a pretty good idea. I, okay, I, I see what you're saying. I, I'm going back to our conversation 15 minutes back. Okay. And it, Time I traveling could, back to 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Just like Marta always wishes she could do. And, um, yeah, you say that she reports that she lost everything and wants a fresh start. And I think that you mean like now she has lost everything. Is that what you mean? Yeah, like this this plan, you mentioned that she had a plan. The plan was for her to start over, but I didn't necessarily, I don't know if she made that decision until she made the decision to walk away from Ulrich. Right. I'm, I kind of think she, I kind of think that she went to the past to be in the past. That that's my suspicion is Okay. Like, you know, with or without Ulrich, this is where she's going to be because there's nothing for her in 2020. Yeah. I mean, she really likes to twist the knife in people. So if Ulrich <laughs> did go with her plan to like to leave, oh. then I could see her wanting to go back to like lord it over Katarina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I Ooh, guess. And she but... is evil. You're right. God. Because <laughs> we would kick her ass. I mean, in a way, you could say <laughs> she does give him the choice because she says, if you had to choose today, mm -hmm. who would you pick, me or Katerina? And if you want to give 
if you want to give a more charitable reading on that, you could say, Hannah gave him the choice that if you would say me, we could be together. But if it's still Katerina, then I'm giving you what you want and you won't be with me. Hmm. You know, I mean, she could have she could have been like if she wanted to be really nice and sacrificial, she could still get him out yes. and send him on his merry way. But we know Ulrich can't go back to the past because either the chain reaction and all that he needs. He needs right. to stay here. Right. So everything can happen as it always happened. But if um, you could say Hannah was giving him what he wanted life without her if he would still pick Katarina then she's going to walk away from him that but that's a slightly more charitable approach to her like I don't know this is really bizarre but you know okay so like as a comparison I'm saying um some people believe there's like you know of course some people believe there's a heaven and hell like a literal heaven and a literal hell where other mm -hmm. people sometimes feel like hell is actually just life without God, you know? Right. So if you choose, if you don't choose his eternal life, then you get what you want, which is life without God, you know? So in the case of Hannah, it's like, who would you choose me or Katarina? If, if you choose Katarina, then it's life without me and life without hmm. her didn't have to necessarily mean him in prison Right. But she gave him she gave him the choice is all I'm saying. And he chose or he just didn't choose quick enough, I think, for Hannah's taste. Yeah, I think like no, no matter what he said, like the answer was on his face and yeah. she saw it. So, you know, I think that's what's up there. Yeah. All right. So enough philosophical talk. We are on to our montage. The oh, not song. yet. I got to oh, say one no. more thing about that. OK, um, go ahead. You were talking, we were talking about, yeah, Hannah and Egon. I have a sneaking suspicion that Hannah is now going to get in there and help wreck Egon's life. Because <laughs> we know that, you know, Egon's wife is like sleeping around mm -hmm. with Agnes right now. But I think if, um, if Egon were to be distracted by another beautiful woman and have an affair of his own, that would pretty much seal the deal that that they're going to get divorced or who knows what all is going to happen. So I don't, I don't like this for, for the speculative reason of what Hannah could do from this point on. I don't like this. Yeah. She likes to wreck men's lives <laughs> so far as what we've seen so far. Of yeah. Hannah, you know, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I'll let you, I'll let you go on. I just wanted to point that out that, uh, yeah. Just, just that basic speculation. Yeah, I think that's that's the idea. And I think um, when you when you were saying that the only person that's having fun is Klaus, and I was like, well, I think Hannah was kind of having fun here, oh. you know, but. <laughs> yeah, maybe she, yeah, maybe she is having some fun. She's smiling <laughs> a lot. That's true. She loves yeah. the 50s. Maybe, yeah. well. <laughs> She loves the 50s. Maybe she's feeling free finally that she's like left Ulrich behind. We wish she didn't have to leave him in such a yeah. dire situation, but she has sort of, you know, she has sort of wrapped her life around getting Ulrich. And now that she's like, that's done, she's sort of free to 
you know, have a different life now. Yeah. Yep. So our interlude music is God's Whisper by Rari, and which is a very cool song. Um, oh, are you... we, dis- we disagree again. Like, this is the first song I did not enjoy in Dark. This <laughs> oh is the first gosh. song that uh, this is the first song that upset me that I was like, I don't oh. like this song choice. <laughs> Were it you familiar somewhere. with this song? No, but I'm familiar with this like stomp clap genre. Like where they stomp <laughs> and they clap and then a chorus of people sing. Like, I don't know. I just I just have like a <laughs> an aversion to that, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> very cool okay um i mean i'm i'm like i'm shocked that uh it, well first of all i didn't know it was a genre um but i i could see that i think i really like this i heard this song first on the movie american honey um which is a one of your one of the a24 movies you'll have to watch eventually um okay you were talking about honey boy earlier i don't think i've ever heard of american honey yeah american honey stars shia another shia labeouf movie and oh that's the one that i was thinking of where they go sell magazines they're like driving around america in a van selling magazine subscriptions that nobody wants yes (laughs) and the group uh, you know, they're, they're traveling around together in a van and they do like crazy stuff. And so this one night they have a bonfire. It's at the end of the movie, actually, they have this bonfire and they're all dancing around to this song and it's, yeah. it's a wild, wild and free song. And so it's, um, I feel like that's, maybe it's a little too wild for dark. I don't know. I've always really liked the song. So it's a bonfire song. That's for sure. I can see yeah. that around a bonfire. I think we're good. And we were talking about the song by Rory and Lindsay. I think we, uh, we talked about the song a little bit. Do you want to <laughs> describe the, uh, what's happening in our, in our scene while the song is going on? Okay. So during the interlude, Claudia looks at her father's dead body with tears in her eyes. She walks out of the room. The forensic specialist in 1954 finishes up with Claudia's corpse, pulling a sheet over her head. Clausen looks at the note and the picture of his brother. Alexander sits in a cell looking larger than the room. The angle makes him look like a big man in a little room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He looks dejected. Katerina examines the time machine. Marta lies on her back thinking of her interaction with Jonas. Elsewhere, stranger Jonas has his own sweet thoughts. (laughs) That's it for the montage. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, I think the only like standout to me was the uh, the time machine, mm-hmm. um, knowing that Katarina has that now. Otherwise, uh, everybody's just kind of thinking about what happened, with the exception of Claudia. Um, they're kind of like pulling pulling the curtain on her, so it's like almost like her her story is over in a way. Like she died a couple episodes back. But now the way that this guy is like putting the sheet over her head, it's like like a curtain call or whatever. It's it's interesting to me. Yeah. I think they're still kind of trying to mirror her and Egon because Egon mm, like mm-hmm. doesn't have a sheet. Nobody with a sheet over his head, but he's dead and she's dead in that time. 
So Okay, I'll accept that. Claudia returns home, suitcase in hand. Regina has left a note saying she's staying over with a friend. The friend is probably Alexander. <laughs> I would guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who other friends does she have? Katerina? <laughs> <laughs> Claudia vigorously washes her hands, trying to get the blood off. She cries panicky gasps of air. She sits on the ground, overwhelmed with the day's events. Into the house walks teen Jonas. He's got uh, his own hoodie on, and he has keys to the house from older Claudia. He's like stranger Jonas already. It's like, that's what I thought. He looks like a, a young stranger Jonas here. Yeah, he's got, he's starting to transition. He's got, his mm-hmm. hair is getting longer. So he's got the long hair. Um, she doesn't see how this is possible when she doesn't know who he is. She then realizes her older self gave him the keys. Jonas does his best Terminator impression and tells her to come with him if she wants to live. He doesn't say that, but he says, come with me. He kind of goes, come with me, and then expects her to follow. But it's a very stoic way he's talking. (laughs) Claudia doesn't understand what's happening. And Jonas says, I know what you did last summer. So he's kind of mixing up his movie movie metaphors. (laughs) He's a horror fan. He loves it. (laughs) He says, I know what you did. She told me. But she also said it doesn't have to happen that way again next time. Right. And (laughs) then Jonas says they are going to the future. (laughs) They've both been to the future, right? (laughs) It doesn't seem like that big of a mic drop moment because they've both been to the future. This was yeah. a weird scene. You're right. He's quoting these these horror movies. <laughs> um, I want to back up, though. Um, obviously, we have a uh, another Shakespeare reference here because she's trying to wash the blood off her hands. Like Lady Macbeth. That's who did that, right? Who was trying to wash the blood off her hands and it wouldn't come off. Yes. Um, I think that's an obvious reference that's happening because that Macbeth poster that hangs above <laughs> Martha's bed as well is a direct tie into that. Hmm. Yeah. Good call. Um, let's see what else happens here before she starts washing her hands. Um, oh yeah. Okay. She's crying. The note with the friend. Um, where does Alexander live? Did we already talk about this? (laughs) Like, where are they going to hang out in the woods? What are they going to (laughs) do? Well, okay. By now, Alexander has a job. Oh, that's right. He's making the door. Okay, yes. He's working secretly for Claudia. So oh, we're, he makes tons of money. Yeah, we're assuming, and she knows he's a friend of Regina's, so she's probably paying him pretty good oh, to God. keep his mouth shut. Okay, you're right. He's got a he's got a fat place. Yeah, they're hanging out. <laughs> they're having a, they're having a good time. All right. <laughs> But yeah, I did. I did want to talk about how how Jonas is turning into Stranger Jonas here. That's exactly what I was thinking with that jacket, mm-hmm. his clothing choice, almost even kind of the way he was acting. Um, I thought he was almost trying to kind of mirror Andreas here, and like you were saying, Andreas was mimicking young Jonas. I think young Jonas is doing the exact opposite here, trying to mm-hmm. show us that he's going to be the stranger. Yeah, and. It's kind of like you mentioned 
Claudia sort of going through, well, you were talking about her corpse, but at first I thought you were talking about just the fact that this is a, in a kind of an awakening for her. She's turning over this new leaf. Yeah. The last episode, Jonas had to turn over a new leaf. Jonas had to face some hard truths. And so yeah. that was a turning, that was a turning point episode for him. And he kind of had to grow up really quickly. So I'm, I saw this as like a remnant of that, that okay. we, he's shedding the innocent Jonas. Remember, what is it the guy says that there are three lives? Yes. The loss of naivety, naivety. the loss of innocence, and the loss of life. So perhaps here, this is the loss of his innocence in the in the last episode and so he's okay now living his oh. third life yeah or his second life this is his second life as stranger Jonas. Yeah. right well you did say naivety was like i don't believe in santa claus you know so i don't know <laughs> i feel like we're past that <laughs> <laughs> i'm lo- i'm kind of losing track of like of the teams here like the team keep things the way they are and team let's change the future to make things better because it seems like both here, Jonas and Claudia are both like geared towards changing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're almost their own uh, separate team here. Yeah. Um, in a way, just like Francisca and Magnus are kind of their own team. <laughs> they sort of sure they're they're within the structure, but they're also outside the structure. And we know that later on. They're not together because we've seen Stranger oh. Jonas call out Claudia That's right. for becoming what she feared. Mm, so, yeah, okay. um, yeah. So, but like this is, um, this must be a necessary partnership because older Claudia guided teen Jonas and now it's Jonas's turn to guide younger Claudia. Yeah, that's really interesting now that you mentioned that. Because, yeah, older Claudia had the blueprints and the voice on the tapes. That's so neat how they're like just, they're they're a little team. I mean, I don't know if they're going to become a team. I guess not. they're not. Because <laughs> you can tell by the way the older Jonas talks about her, he's not liking her. Mm-hmm. Well, they're but a yeah. team for now. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll like it while it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> We like we we like Jonas and we like Claudia. So yeah. this is an interesting it's an interesting team up. You know, it's not a team up based on sexuality or attraction. It's like two people driven to discover the secrets of time travel to save people yeah. they care about. I just wanted to okay, just a final thought about this, okay? Of course, of course. Um I wanted to say that this is probably one of the most disturbing episodes of the season with the combination of Hannah and the death of Egon. And it's just, um, I guess I'm reiterating again what I said at the beginning, with the happiness of the last episode, this episode is pretty dire. Yeah, a big difference from the last one. Yeah. And it makes it really hard to do our little game of picking out the best and the worst character. 
this might be the hardest I've ever had to think about this because there's really no oh, clear gosh. winner. I don't think, I don't think I have any qualms at all about, <laughs> about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well then I'll, I'll let you go first. Mrs. Confidence with no qualms. Um, yeah. Who do you got for your, uh, for your number one favorite? Oh, okay. Well, actually, I don't have that figured out. I have my worst character in the bag. <laughs> but um <laughs> Do you want do you want to start with that then? Yeah. If that's what you were thinking about, then Okay. Yeah, okay. Let me start with my worst character. Okay, the worst character, it has to be Hannah. Hannah. <laughs> I wanted to say it at the same time you did. <laughs> it didn't quite work <laughs> out. But yes, I'm with you. You tell me why. I mean, I don't know. We have to, we've already said it so much. Yeah, we, She's just yeah, horrible. We'll, yeah, we'll just cut and paste some stuff we said in the in <laughs> this episode and put it in right here and how conniving and cold and calculating and all that stuff she is here. She's got no heart. No heart. Yeah, she's pretty awful. I was thinking Hannah is as a clear winner, but I was really having a hard time trying to um, convince myself it should be Hannah over top of Clausen because he sure was pissing me off a lot this episode. And then there's Claudia. I mean, we have to acknowledge that Claudia didn't make a great choice here. And so for me, I had a hard time deciding between those three. But um, yeah, Hannah, Hannah came through with like, you know, 70% of the vote. So she's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's fine to get last place <laughs> a first place I think we've person. given her I think we've given her worse before like when the when she reported the rape yeah um, we both agreed at least that one episode. of us has yeah we both agreed that episode as well so okay okay <laughs> we're in concert again um I know who my favorite is already because I've, I've, I've okay why don't you it. go ahead with that okay I um it's it's almost feels like more of an honorable mention than like my favorite, but I I, I did want to hand it over to Egon for the reasons I was saying earlier, um, because he does remind me of that Ned Stark type character that um does the right thing even if it hurts him, and does the right thing even if it hurts other people, and it doesn't seem right to us. But I think to like his honor code, he's he's honoring himself somehow. Um, I was sad to see him go. He's a bumbling fool. Um, I like the older version of Egon better than the younger version for whatever reason. But um, the younger version impressed me a lot this episode, the way he talked to Helge towards the end there. Um, he was just all over the place this episode. And I didn't like some of the choices he made. Uh I just want to, like I said, it's more of an honorable mention and it's more of like a, uh, I'm honoring him by giving him this spot. Cause I really couldn't think of anybody else that was a real standout. Um, I tinkered with Magnus a wee bit, but I think Egon, Egon outshadowed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm giving mine to Egon, too. That really oh. was who I was going to give it to. Holy cow. Awesome. Because he has, he just, this is a big episode for him. 
we've got Egon in both time periods and he's getting roped into Hannah's tentacles at the end, which we kind of hate to see, but <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think overall he's sort of finally seeing the light or yeah. getting close to it and it's snatched away from from him, from his daughter. And it's all very very tragic. I think it's clear he's a good guy. Um, yeah. Not a smart guy, but a good guy. <laughs> Maybe not even a happy guy, you know? Like, he's not like, you know, Mr. Congeniality or anything either. But he doesn't mean, he doesn't wish anybody any harm, I don't believe. But I do know that there's a term for this thing, Lindsay. I know we're running pretty long, but we're going to roll with it. And I'm going to give you the dark quote quiz, just like you gave me last week, Lindsay. Do you think that you could pass a quote quiz? And like, if I gave you a line from dark, you would be able to guess who said it. I can try it. Like you said, I think it's harder than you think. And when, unless you have the, the episode clear in your head, but I, I would love, I would be game. I'd be down for it. Great. Okay. I got 10 quotes here. And um, yeah, I went, I went through like the scripts, you know, you, uh, listeners at home, you can do the same thing too. If you just Google dark scripts or dark um, transcripts and then put in the episode you want to look at, they're all online. At least seasons one and two are online. So all these quotes are going to be from seasons one and two okay. that I'm giving you. So let's see how you, let's see how good you can do it. Remember, keep in mind too, that like I, I was aware that you we're looking for quotes last week. So I kind of <laughs> kept that in mind. I was like, okay, I got to make sure that like, you know, these questions are tough so that, you know, you know, okay. Lindsay's a seasoned <laughs> pro. So here we go. Mm -hmm. First quote. <clears throat> my name is Agnes Nielsen. This is my son, Trant. Who said that, Lindsay? <laughs> it would be Agnes. That's right. <laughs> yep. It wasn't a trick question. That was Agnes Nielsen. You got one. There you go. Oh okay. <laughs> okay. Second question. I mean, second quote. I'm Alexander. Who said that? <laughs> what is this? What kind of quiz is this? <laughs> it's a quote quiz from Dark. Can you guess who said that? Uh, Alexander Tiedemann slash Kohler. Sweet. Yeah, I think he was uh, Alexander Kohler at the time, but I'll give it to you. He just said Alexander. It's Alexander. Was not a was not a trick question. Okay, number three. Hey, this is Martha. Leave a message after the signal. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> that is Martha's cell phone answering service. Yes, that is correct. Okay. <laughs> Next up. My God. My name is Noah. Steve, what is this? I wanted an actual challenge. Challenges are coming up. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Noah. It's you Noah. Got, I can't believe you got four out of four. Okay. I did terrible with my quiz. You're doing so much better. All right. Okay. <clears throat> no, I'm Mickle. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> I'm going to say Mickle Nielsen. That's right. Okay. This one might be tough because, you know, this is like, okay. Hi, Nickel, boy from the future. I'm Hannah. 
Okay, it was the same conversation this happened. So if you can remember who Mikkel was talking to, <laughs> you might be able to get this. Okay, I'll read that again. Hi, Mikkel, boy from the future. I'm Hannah. Uh, how about Hannah? There you go. Yes, we have a good memory. That was like that was like last season, I think. Okay, next one. I'm Bartosh. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> oh, come on. I got three more and they're great. <laughs> this, is, this is like the saddest, <laughs> least interesting quiz anybody's ever given anybody. The next one. My mom will be here any minute now. She's the chief of police. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. That that, that could be speculative. Who, who, who might have said that? My mom will be here any minute now. She's the chief of police. See? Not Hold all on, easy, are give they? Give me a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See? They're hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, she didn't actually say it. She signed it. Okay. <laughs> I guess it's Elizabeth. <laughs> I think I might just give you five points for that. So you're not going to get a 100 on this quiz. Okay, I'm Nurse Inez, but you can just call me Inez. Um, Inez. <laughs> and then the last one, Ulrich. It's me, Charlotte. <laughs> you got to say it to get the point. Charlotte. <laughs> Ninety-five points, Lindsay. You kick ass at this. You. It was. It was hard. Actually, it was very hard to go through and find these quotes because I was looking for quotes specifically where people said their name in their line and it doesn't happen very often so you're welcome for the quiz Lindsay. well thanks for the quiz steve but there is also (laughs) i'm ulrich nielsen i'm mickle nielsen well okay okay you're right you're right so you're you're, okay the the quiz e has become the quizzer is that what's going on here (laughs) oh steve i'm so sad Please give me a real <laughs> quiz one day. Uh, I don't know how to do I that. I was really, I was like, I really wanted to do a quote quiz where I had to do it for real. Shit, I'm so sorry. I think I'm, I think these things are funny and then nobody thinks they're funny but me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody else will think it's funny. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This is the second time I've disappointed you and I apologize. Yeah, I'm like, I'm an overachiever. I love a test. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have to come up with a real test for you because yeah, all my tests are too jokey jokey. You can probably, you can probably give me a pretty good season three quiz because I've only seen season three one time. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. Well, I will do that then. Like maybe like when we're like three or four episodes in of season three, I'll figure Mm -hmm. something out. Okay. All right. But I feel bad that I disappointed. I made you laugh, but I... (laughs) I wanted well, you to I love thought, it, not I hate it. I thought maybe you were going to do like three or four like that and then some real ones. And then I just kept going. So Who, like... me? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what the listeners have thought this week. Lindsay? Okay. <laughs> we got um, some email this week from our boy Dylan. And I think that everybody should probably go follow Dylan. That's the, that's the least you could do. He's, he follows us on Instagram under sweet child of time on Instagram, sweet child of time pod. That is. So if you just look at our followers and just search Dylan, he'll be the first one there. Um, 
Dylan, first off, he gave us another rating on Spotify. And on our Spotify episode, he wrote this, Lindsay. Outstanding recap this week, per usual. I selectively want to compliment Steve's vocabulary, his wording, in describing the different characters, and overall, his great choice of words. I, I'm flattered. I, you, you should have complimented Lindsay because she does way more talking and has a way bigger vocabulary than me. But I will take the compliment. Thank you very much, Dylan. I appreciate it. Wow. Dylan. Wow. No love to throw to me for this week. Okay. <laughs> well, well, your name did come up because he's he continued because he only had but so many characters that he could um, use in that review. So... Mm-hmm. At that point, he switched over to DMs, and he t- he said that he said that you know I couldn't I could only leave one comment on the Spotify, so I had some other things to say. This is the other things he had to say. Okay. Interesting. Interestingly enough, Dylan says, "I'm not watching the series along with each episode, but I've completed the series for my second or third time during the month of December. So this helps me just convey the message. Oh wait, wait." This helps me just convey the message that this podcast is so good. Your podcast is so entertaining and engaging <clears throat> that it's beyond great all in by itself. Well, that's nice stuff to say. I'm definitely planning on listening over again in congruence with each episode, but I'm enjoying staying with your pace and not jumping ahead or moving backwards. Thank you so much for that. And this is Another proof that that Dylan is this sil- a similar podcast listener that I am because I mm-hmm. love listening to movie and TV show and book recap podcasts, but I usually don't watch the show before I listen. Like I'll find like a recap podcast of Game of Thrones, for example, and I'll just start listening from season one because I've seen the show so many times. And if a good recapper is doing what they're supposed to be doing. As you're driving or walking, you can replay the episode in your head. Um, and it's almost like you're watching TV again. Mm-hmm. And okay. so with your recaps, the way you're doing it, that's what's really catching Dylan's ears and helping him remember these episodes is, is your recaps. And he wrote right here, thank you and Lindsay very much for doing this. See, he thanked you too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I I hope that I feel like I try to write the recaps that so in a way that you can kind of visualize it as I'm writing it. Yes. And, you know, that might not be what other recap podcasts do, like if you're if you're recap, but like these are written recaps. And a lot of times I do just read them straight off the page because I like the way I word things even I might not even remember how I worded it, but um, but yeah, I, thanks for the comments and thank you for listening and for commenting every week. It's nice because it's like, it's one thing to have somebody comment in on occasion, but to have a loyal commenter, that's something I never thought I would have. So here we go. Thank you. I know that's, it's wonderful and I love it too. And yeah, recapping, like, I think when I did like 1899 and wheel of time, I don't do it exactly the same way you do because you're writing your recaps to be read. Whereas like my recaps, I write them just for myself to read off the page, but I do it a very similar way that you do where I want to describe every scene. I don't just want to, you know, 
I don't want to gloss over any detail. Because mm-hmm. um, the shows that we like are full of details and you get rewarded by noticing these details and pointing them out. That's why I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's wrap up time. We're um we're late into the evening here, almost midnight, <laughs> Lindsay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's it's late here in North Carolina. So yeah, I guess we'll start doing our wrap up. Did we miss anything? Got the quiz or the the <laughs> the pseudo quiz, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> the best and worst. We did we the did recap our of characters. Course. We did the recap. We did our feedback. So I think that's that's everything. All right, people. Well, I guess we're going to start heading out of here and we'll give a couple quick plugs. I have some music coming out August 25th. I recapped um, the Wheel of Time theme song and then I am releasing an instrumental version of a song inspired by Dark called Sick Creatus Mundus Est, or maybe I got those words mixed up. <laughs> Sick Mundus Creatus Est. Um, August 25th, Intro Void. And I'll probably play it on the podcast at some point, maybe this week. Um, Lindsay, you're still in the throes of Fantasia Fest, right? Fantasia is over. So I, (laughs) yeah. So now I have, I, I ended up with three reviews, four reviews and an interview. So I have five things all at one of my stories.com. I also did a review of the new universal monster movie, Voyage of the New Meter. So that is out. Mm-hmm. I did a lengthy Oppenheimer discussion. I already did my review, but I released a discussion with another film critic on Oppenheimer. Um, so that was a really, that's worth a listen. And yeah, that's all that I have out right now. I don't really have anything coming up, although I wanted to say I'm very excited that tomorrow, theoretically, as long as everything's up and running, I'm going to get to see the restoration of old boy which i've never seen before and it's out in theaters the restoration of old boy old boy yeah it's the movie's called old boy okay Um, okay but it was it's it released in 2003 so it's the 20th anniversary re-release gotcha it's this Korean movie that people talk about all the time. It's got a really great hallway fight scene that almost like a scrolling fight scene. Okay. It's just this very famous movie and they're bringing it back to the big screen. So I'm going to get to see Old Boy for the first time tomorrow night. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, congrats. I've never heard of it before. Nobody's talked to me about it. You said said everybody talks about it, not to me. But okay. Y'all talk about your old boy. Y'all have fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I listened to your interview you did with the uh, with the filmmaker and the actress, and that was a great interview. I, I like your interview style. I'm not an interviewer. I'm a conversationalist, so I don't know how you do that kind of stuff. I get very nervous, like having to interview people. You did a great job. I listened to that. I did not listen to the Curse of the Dementor one, Demet- Demeter one, because I want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. I want to go into it fresh. And of course, Oppenheimer. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, so I didn't listen to your discussion on that, but I will in the future. And with that, we're going to take off, Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay. That sounds good. I think that's good. Yeah. Lindsay, I always say I hope you find water and shade, but I mean it more so this week than any other week because you've had a tough week. I think you deserve more than water and shade. I think you deserve 
water, soda, wine, beer, ginger ale, like shade. No, you need like AC, like <laughs> fans, like you deserve all that stuff, Lindsay. And I hope you always find everything you need. I hope when you go home, there's plenty of power and plenty of good stuff for you. Thank you, Steve. I hope you find water and shade as well. I don't have any extras for you today because I'm just trying to survive at the moment. <laughs> I don't I have any extra handouts <laughs> to give you. But That's I fine. will yeah, I wish you have a sheets veggie wrap <laughs> as well as water and shade. <laughs> I love them so. Okay. Bye everybody. See you all next week when we're doing dark episode eight, the big finale. Until then, bye-bye. Bye, everybody.